0: Pizza presents S S D
1: P P the Steve Dangle Podcast with your host Steve Dangle, Adam Wild, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! It is the uh, I guess this is our last week before summer vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorta. Of.
0: As much so, uh, as much summer vacation as we can have, I guess, right. in the middle of all this.
1: So here's what's going to happen. Uh, if you missed it at the beginning of last, sorry, at the end of last episode, this is our last two week episode uh, until we hit. We think early August. We're pretty sure the NHL and the NBA are going to come back at the same time. We know the NBA will be back July 31st. Um, I would assume the NHL is going to be back within a week of that. We don't know if we're ever going to get the MLB again. Uh, But thankfully, we're not an MLB podcast. Can you imagine if we were?
2: Their players union and the owners, they just absolutely hate each other. Yep. Yep. Crazy. It's an unbelievable. It's okay,
0: though, because it's never gotten in the way of a season before.
1: No, never. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's gotten in the way less than the NHL and its players union. Let's just put it that way. That's true. so, So. Um, so essentially we we just decided that, you know, if we're, it, it, there's not a lot of new content, there's no trades, no free agency, there's no games. Um, and we have we're some stuff, need,
0: man, we have some, well, stuff. we have
1: some stuff, but like, yeah. it's, it's like a little bit like, let's, let's save the quality, uh, and, uh, over quantity. And also to be quite frank, it's been a real grind. Uh, we're all exhausted, and I think we want to be geared up and ready to go for when this 2014 bonanza hits us, um, and so I think that it, it kind of makes sense. There will be some weeks off in there as well uh, for all three of us. I'm not really sure if we're going to do um, shows on certain weeks um, or if we're just going to rotate them. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you know, mm-hmm. uh, but in the meantime, uh, it's nice to have you here, and unfortunately, we've got to start the show with something that's uh, pretty serious. So, um, there was a, a guy who did animations for us who, um, who, you know, he basically just reached out to us, I believe one day, Steve, if I'm right. Uh, and he, out of, I don't even remember. He, he animated the barbecue versus meeting thing that we, that one minute clip that we all put up on Instagram. His name's Evan Scott Huber. And it was really well done and it was very funny and uh, we thought oh my god like look at how talented this guy is and and it's you know it wouldn't be the first time that um we've spotlighted somebody that listened to the show because that's just sort of like we're always sort of amazed by the diversity of um talents that we have you know people who are lawyers people who are doctors people who are you know and well an animator
2: and we thought the show really is cool. it's our show but it's also the listener show Yes. Because of how it's much community. interaction we have and how passionate people are about the show, that it's, it's a community show. That's right. Like,
1: yeah. That's right. And so we uh, we gave him shout-outs and stuff and, and uh, helped him uh, Money. fundraise uh, for, through coffee. He used to do that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think we sort of – I mean, I haven't talked to him in well over a year. But from what our understanding is, and just to get, get to this as quickly as we possibly can, uh, he was DMing – women within the hockey Twitter community who liked his work or he, who he followed or whatever. It, they would follow him, he would follow them back or, or vice versa. And then he would talk to them, feign being a nice guy, and then ask them to send him pictures of them in high heels or their bare feet uh, and various other requests. Now, uh, it's important that you know that he had like five Twitter accounts. So this may not have come from his main Twitter account, which was in his animation one, he also had a band Twitter account. He had two others, and I forget what they were. Um, but YouTube there
0: account, were a Facebook account.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like on Twitter, he had like five different accounts. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, under the auspices of these are just different branding, and this is my personal or whatever. And I said, I think. Few months ago, from what I can remember from what I've seen online, uh he started tweeting about how people were blocking him and he's just a nice guy and how could this happen. Um and uh and then I, I guess uh at the beginning of this week, um somebody tweeted out the fact that like have, you know, they used E S H, Evan Scott Huber, as the uh as his name and how many of you have been victimized by that. And uh, I think it was something near forty people. Um and so it was a lot. And so we talked about Jesse, you mentioned the community part of our show. And um frankly, we didn't know about this until until it came out, until people started posting their DMs. I know uh uh one of our followers since like the beginning of time, uh Leah Kessel, uh or sorry, Leaf Flame was was the one that uh um was one of the you know, major uh writers of these tweets and, and coming out with this sort of stuff. Um you know, one of the things that we've prided ourselves on in the community and and is that you know it's community supported community based and um, we're good to each other here and um, this is one of those things where we didn't know what was happening um, but we are terribly sorry to everybody who was affected uh, this there is just no other way to do, to say it I mean it's it's a um, it's an awful thing and I, I feel bad for anybody that that felt uncomfortable um, who, you know, was just trying to be kind to somebody online, you know, cause that's really what we've tried to do here is, is sort of pull in people that are also kind. Maybe we have divergent opinions and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, we can all say, oh, at least I can respect that person. And Evan for his part, I think tried to get out in front of it on Monday night and tweeted uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said as a prominent white man on Twitter, which I thought was an interesting choice of phrase to be quite frank with you. Um, uh, You know, I, he admitted to doing all of these things to women as young as 18 years old. Um, Those are his words. Those are his words. Um, There are rumors and I've read tweets that maybe there were people who were younger than that. Um, If you were affected by this, um, we're so sorry. And, and, you know, it's it's not uh, something that we would have known about. but all yeah. the to, same to I, everybody
0: who has a story we we believe you and we're sorry and we've yeah. we've taken down uh as much of his stuff that we were involved in as we can find
1: yes uh, it does go back a little bit to a couple I th- of years and i'm,
2: I'm just pulling i think there was only
0: here. one thing on our youtube channel i couldn't find one on mine
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: i don't know i did
2: i did a search on both of our the podcast channel and your channel and I pulled down everything I could just out of respect for the victims.
0: Yeah. It might've just been, might've just been the podcast account. I took it off my Instagram as well. uh, And I got to I got to redo the intro from scratch because I didn't save the, uh, the edit file. file. Yeah. So like we can't, I I won't have his stuff uh,
1: in my stuff. So I want to read you um, Katie at Dame of scones on, on Twitter because she like us was a believer and thought, well, here's this talented guy, and, and here, why don't I try to help him out? So I'm going to read what she had to say, because I think she says it better than anybody else could say it. Um, she said, a quick st- thread to start off the morning, since I missed a lot while I was asleep and teaching, and then I will resume my regularly scheduled programming of jersey drawing. Warning, discussion of harassment, abuse, predatory behavior. First, I'll start out by bringing uh, anyone out of the loop into it. Last night, many people on Hockey Twitter came forward to share their DMs, Uh, and instances of Evan harassing them, uh, coming on to them, asking them to participate in his uh, fetish without disclosing what it was. If you require direction uh, to some of the threads about it, I can point you there, or you can just search his name or handle on here, and I imagine it'll pop up. And by the way, it does. Uh, I'm also sure many of you uh, know that Evan and I were friends. I met up with him. My husband and I bought him dinner. We donated hundreds of dollars to him through his computer fundraiser, and I promoted his work relentlessly because I believed he was incredibly talented. I know that my name is probably intertwined with his to some of you, so I feel the need to make this absolutely crystal clear. I have no tolerance for abusers or people with power or even power or influence in a niche social circle who take advantage of abuse, harass, harm anyone, and that is no different if the person was a friend or someone I supported. I'm sorry to any of you that I led you to Evan. Like most, I thought that any off or kind of creepy messages were just the internet being a barrier. To everyone sharing their DMs, I see you, and I'm sorry. Thank you for calling him out. To everyone who isn't comfortable doing so, including myself, I see you, and I'm with you. The things that happened to me, sorry, the things that happened to you and me, or the things that made you or me uncomfortable are no less valid because we don't want to post about them publicly yet. My DMs are always open to you, although I wish I had a better way to say, uh, that, to say that given the context of this conversation. Anyway, uh, this is the end of the thread. I'm going to uh, nest this whole thing with another tweet below to make sure anybody who is concerned about it and not seeing the content of this thread can avoid it. Now, I also want to quickly mention a couple things that she goes into because she said she was going to end the thread, but then messaged about getting a refund on GoFundMe. because I, so, so I had Evan muted, frankly. Um, so, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't know this, um, because
2: I thought be honest,
1: there are people that I follow that I find sometimes are just trying to get attention. And Evan was one of those people. And hey, so I didn't want to contest
0: follow- this contest, this kind yes. con- like, how many freaking contests are there in the world?
1: So, so I didn't know any Sorry. of this was going on and I maybe should pay more attention to the people that I mute because, um, because you don't see this. So I guess he had some sort of computer thing where he tried to fundraise for a new animation computer that's my understanding yeah Yeah. Uh, and it's a rough understanding if it's incorrect please hit
2: me up like i'm i don't mind uh but steve you followed that storyline pretty closely so you could explain that
0: no not really closely but i i did see him trying to trying to get money for it and you know i'm gonna use this computer for animation uh and everything and you know i was kind of getting pissed off with it because he really only messaged when he kind of wanted something. Like he message you. Yeah. And like, I'm starting to, I like, I'm suspicious that he dangled the carrot of, I'm going to make the smart insider man video for mm-hmm. so long.
1: And I wonder if that was part of it. Yeah. He said for two years, he was going to do that.
0: Yeah. He, you know, here it and comes. We, here it comes. We had
1: people donate money to him um, because yeah, of that.
0: You know, at my recommendation. And yeah. mine
2: and mine. Yeah. All of ours. Um,
1: so.
0: Uh, and I gave him some money for that. And we actually, we spoke about, um, damn, I was going to have him like illustrate a book idea I had. And he never got back to me for that either. So like, again, it was just like, uh, I don't know. It, I'm suspicious that it was, uh, like a, a, a carrot uh, oh, yeah. being, being dangled for, for everything. And basically, uh, it sounds like, uh, th- this person and several others, and my, maybe myself, I can't remember. Um, gave him money for this thing that uh, I, did he ever buy it? Is he going to use it? I have no idea. Did he well, use the money for something else? I don't know.
1: Katie, uh, Katie went to, uh, and this is why I just want to read these last two tweets. Cause I think it's important if you were part of donating to this. So there was a GoFundMe and she said, sorry, I need to add one more thing. If you also donated to the GoFundMe, you can request a refund uh, of your contribution through GoFundMe. Uh, I have no idea if it'll work but I went ahead and submitted mine and she put hers out uh, recent tweets on other accounts suggest that he was contacting numerous women and offering to pay for things and send them money for pairs and pairs of shoes. So while I previously uh, just counted the money as gone now, I think uh, I would like it back to donate elsewhere. So it's possible that he could have been soliciting this money to pay for things like that. And, um, and I mean, so Katie knows it better than he, than, than we do. Um, and I have to say that, you know, when it comes to what she says about... Um, about uh, tolerance for abusers, such as this guy. I mean, I, I don't think... I don't think you can say it any better. Um, so Katie, I hope you don't mind us jumping on the back of this, but I wholeheartedly echo her statement and i will be posting her thread on my twitter account uh the reason we haven't said anything is because we felt like it was the smart thing to do to just talk about it on the show um but let me read this one more time
0: well and twitter sorry adam before you continue twitter is very chaotic and Mm -hmm. the what i kept seeing at the bottom of almost every evan post is what happened um and one tweet was not enough to explain what happened and I was I was asked to say my own thing and I just knew the impending what happened was going to come in and I don't even I didn't even fully understand what happened until well, of and there's, and there's people night,
1: this morning there's plenty of people listening to this show who have no idea who this guy is right, uh, right and you're confused as hell right now yeah, well that's All why right. I tried to give you some context about about this animation and again that's what it is right like sometimes I think he might have had 2,500 followers that's not a lot of people um, well, and it's, it's enough. It's enough, obviously. But what I'm saying is that this is not like some gigantic animator from a massive studio that's come down. This is some guy in his room. And what Katie had to say, I have no tolerance for abusers or people with power or power or influence in a niche social circle, which is, I think, identifies him perfectly. Yeah. Uh, who take advantage of, abuse, harm, or harass anyone. And that is no different if the person was a friend or someone I supported. I'm sorry to any of you, I'm sorry to any of you that I led to Evan. Um, and, you know, she, she mentions again, Steve, and you talked about this, some of the DMs that you got, not pertaining to what we, the discussion that we've had where he's you know, talking to women, but every time he DMed, it was something he needed. Um and Katie said, you know, like most, I thought any off or kind of creepy messages were just the internet being a barrier. And I know what she's talking about there. Sometimes tone gets lost on the internet, right? You have to really, really watch what oh, you yeah. write. To everyone sharing their DMs, I see you and I'm sorry. Uh thank you for calling him out. To everyone who isn't comfortable doing so, including myself, I see you and I'm with you. Now I wonder, you know, I I that tweet tells me that Katie was also the victim of this as well. And if that's the case, Katie, I'm sorry. To you directly as well, so you know we figured uh, best to address the situation and and um, you know I think for us it's a learning experience beyond um, beyond the the aggression itself. Um, there's, a la- there's a there's a there's a trust thing that for me anyway I can only speak for myself here uh, that goes away have a harder time trusting strangers. Um, and, and it seems like a stupid thing to say, right? Like, oh, no. you know, but you think that these people you're in a community with, and we were. Well, and even people you've met. I've met him. Yeah. Oh, you've met him? I didn't meet
0: I him. met him in uh, Washington last year.
1: So, you know, you, you want to assume the best of everybody. And I think there's a responsibility we carry um, with making sure that the people we give a platform to um, are good people.
2: I feel um, I feel a t- uh, tad bit of shame here for pointing people towards his work and that leading to people being abused. Yeah, like, and I hope and I hope those victims, if they need the help, that they do reach out and talk to someone about it. If that's what they feel they need mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. And our our DMs are open as well. My DMs are open, and, and
1: I know there's ways to reach Jesse and Steve. Um, but beyond that, you know, it shakes my ability to just retweet somebody in the same way. And I'm, I'm, and I mean that I, I think it's sort of one of those things where it, it seems stupid, but it's sort of like, for us, it was like the joy of this guy creating this, this amazing piece of, uh, uh this amazing video for us out of the kindness of his heart. And that's what we took it as. And we thought, well, here's a, here's a independent animator. Why wouldn't you want to help him? Of course. of course. Why wouldn't you want, even if he ends up working for a big studio someday, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we, we, we could help get him there. You know, help get him some exposure. Um, so for, for that part of it, it's really tough. And um, uh, I, again, let, let me just say that we, we're so sorry for anybody that we led to Evan. And we're so sorry to anybody that felt victimized by him and was victimized by him. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's something that I, I honestly can tell you nobody, I, I did not know um, until this week. But now that I do, obviously, I mean, he's deleted all of his accounts. I believe his web domain was, was he was somebody in the community, uh, had the access to it and has changed his web domain as well. Um, he's deleted all of his accounts except for, I think his band account, his, his videos are all archived on YouTube, but the channel is still there. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what else to say beyond we're, we're truly sorry that this happened. Um, and we're truly sorry that we just, we had no idea, had no idea.
0: Yeah. You don't know. You don't know who someone is in the dark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of reminds me of, uh, the Sophie Merck situation from years and years ago.
1: So explain this one. Cause you, there was a few people you mentioned that I think there are situations people forgot. Uh, well, yeah. So th- there were, there were a number of,
0: um, accounts from, I don't remember exactly how many years ago. I think it was roughly when the, the podcast came out. The, the one it reminded me of a lot was Steve Lapore. Um, and, you know, basically, again, sort of just being creepy, you know, pictures and DMs, stuff like and that. And who is that? I forget who he used to write for.
2: Oh, so But he was, he was a hockey writer. Oh, a blogger? Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. But the, the Sophie Merck situation is, uh, is a fascinating case study. Uh, that I wanted to upload to the YouTube channel soon because I reference it every now and then and newer listeners will have no idea because it's from an episode from seven years ago. But uh, basically, um, the, the sleuthing of uh, Sarah Connors discovered that this network of women in uh, hockey Twitter were actually one guy named Kyle from Waterloo. Oh, <laughs> who, yeah. yeah. yeah, Who uh, actually uh, got a bunch of people to tell him a bunch of things right? Private information that they thought they were telling to a friend, a confidant. Right. And we had, uh, we used to have shirts with like different podcast uh, catchphrases on it and little slogans and references. And one was angry Swedish listener and angry Swedish listener was one of the fake women that Kyle portrayed. Like that's how deeply this guy infiltrated. And again, we don't know. We didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um how could you? So like you said, to every, to everyone who, uh, was, was victimized in all this, uh, we hear you, we believe you, and we're going to do everything in our power to make sure this sort of thing doesn't happen again.
1: Absolutely. Um, so with that, I think we've got to take a, a bit of a turn. Um, if you have any questions, by the way, or you want to message us about this, feel free, by the way, I just, you know, thought you should DMs, Instagram, whatever you want to do. We're open um is there a way to not aggressively s- swerve out of this no i mean no it's, it's at, in when i was in like news television it was it's a hard right it's a you know those tough where you go from stories like i remember i would david bowie died i remember um having to do the entertainment story It was very sad and then when prince died too it was like within it was pretty close to each other um and then, uh, and then, you know, teasing a home and garden se- segment coming up after the break. Oh my God! Like, coming up after the break, Frankie Flowers has got your, you know, what you do with your gardenias, and Kevin Frankish, the guy that was the host of the show at the time, did a really good job. He said, "Listen, we're gonna have to take a hard right here," and he would just say that to the camera, like, "We're gonna have to take a hard right. That's the reality." Coming up next, we've got, and God bless him. It, you know, it was not an easy. That's not easy. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is one of those things where we got to take a hard right turn. Figured we would talk about this right away because it's the most important thing on the schedule today.
0: Now to to help you transition, Adam, you just, you just reminded me, remember when you invited me on to breakfast television to talk about hockey and I ended up being in a segment about
1: a tiger at the zoo? Uh, was that, what was that about the Bowmanville zoo?
0: No, that was, oh, so I remember that story, but no, this Mm. was, I was
1: on to talk about
0: like a playoff preview or something, but there was a story that was local to Toronto of uh, this video went viral of someone dropped their hat in the tiger enclosure at the Toronto Zoo. And so the Toronto Zoo, there's the, where the people are, there's the holy smokes don't go here space. And then there's the cage separating you from the tiger. So it's supposed to be two layers of separation from the wild animal. Mm -hmm. this lady drops her hat in the in the in the what do you call it ditch i guess
1: uh and she just climbs down and goes and gets uh i don't even remember that like i can't remember anything from that time ever yeah and that was
0: going that was going around and it was one of the big stories on your show that day and i remember i was just sort of standing there in the background eating a muffin. You know, uh, waiting for uh, gotta love breakfast TV. Uh, waiting t- to talk about hockey, and I'm just talking to people. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to work at the zoo. People do stupid crap like that all the time. And someone overheard me, and they went, you "Used to work at the zoo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And stuff like this happened all the time. Like you've seen this happen? Yeah, of course. All right, we're having you on. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so Dina. Uh, DePugliese had to, like, introduce me, like, hi, we have Steve on to talk about the Leafs. But first, he's going to talk about the crazy Tiger person. And basically, I was the Tiger King before Tiger King.
1: Yeah. Uh, that show is sort of like... Uh, they pull on anyone who's got any sort of information pertaining to each story. And that's what I loved about that show. It's like, it doesn't matter if you are uh on camera if you're a news producer if you're running cable if you're do- if you're in the control room it does not matter if you have a story that helps their story that that makes it better the whole team participates and it uh it really created a great community there like it was such a fun show to be on because of things like that there was just always somebody getting pulled on for something and dina um, dina that's right coming in like was- a car alarm
0: at six in the morning hey everybody, <laughs>
1: Dina. Uh Dina poliesi if you're from Toronto or the GTA just so you know she has as much energy off camera as she does on and is genuinely uh one of the sunniest people in the world she's just so awesome one of those people you 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 feed off that energy she's amazing so yeah that's, love that's Dina. not fake that's not put no, on no that's that's real that's natural you can't you can't fake that kind of energy no um so so the Leafs started uh going to practice this week as did many NHL teams i believe the Oilers are up in there too Yep, saw so, uh, um,
0: Marshan and Bergeron on the ice.
2: There you go. That
0: hurt now my the feelings.
1: Yep.
2: Um, Steve's so, not back on the ice though, because no, he's not. Even though he he's hopes on. to be and was about to buy roller blades and then didn't.
0: <laughs> I did buy roller blades. They said did they had them in stock and then they canceled them. They canceled my but, shipment. I'm pissed. You did try buy them? I did. No, no, no. So I didn't. So okay, I'll just say I tried to buy Mars blades that are like three times as much. They're like two and a half like times. A dollars. The no, they're not a thousand dollars. They're a lot of money, $1, though. $1, yeah. They're not going to arrive till August. And so I got this other one, and they said they had them in store, and it's a week, two weeks later. I'm like, where the hell are my rollerblades? And then they canceled them because they didn't have. Them. I'm sad. I want a rollerblade. Shut up! It's making a comeback, Jesse. What is it? Get that smile off your face, Jesse. They're you're coming ne- back.
2: You're never going to rollerblade. You're not going to rollerblade. Well, not anymore. <laughs> you're going to do it once, maybe if you get yeah. them, and that'll be it. Actually.
0: Your roller Jesse, blade right talk? over your fingers. I'm gonna drop something on the ground for you to pick up. Nah, keep going blade let's right talk, over your fingers. Let's
2: talk about let's talk about the the hockey ice. Okay, all right. Well, I think there was a uh, I
1: think there was some. I, I mean, it's been a while. I think for for sports reporters, you could see the absolute glee. I loved Kristen Shilton's tweet yesterday about like I was almost tweeting line combinations today. It was fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you feel like you know this is. Her and like Jonas Siegel and, you know, the, the people that follow the team every day, Luke Fox, they have to, like you think that there's nothing going on in hockey. Imagine having to produce content for that, for a and team they have to you follow. And they have to. Um, so you could see that the excitement's building, although we still don't know when it's going to come back. And, you know, John Tavares and, and Austin Matthews, I think, I think Ilya Mikheyev was on the ice as well. Yep. Um, but one of the headlines that came out, and uh, we got to call out uh, our company here a little bit here, Desi. But <laughs> Who's our? Who's our? So Bell Media, uh, TSN, uh, TSN, just there's glee, right? It's like, put it up. It's sports. We got something. It's ah. Leafs. And uh, uh, they had uh, a, a three-minute video about how John Tavares – uh, tapes his stick at home to save time
2: before he goes to the rink. You guys, <laughs> I got no problem with this. I you no problem with it? No. I think no. That's a story. I think right now a story is a story, a story and that's is a story. story.
1: Yeah. Well, and I heard uh, I heard a clip from him on uh, on the radio this morning talking about his excitement and his excitement level for John Tavares is pretty ballistic. But for that's us, excitement. it's like it's yeah, just really good to get back at the rink and real miss the, really miss the guys and. Like it was just so boring. I, I tape, I
0: tape my sticks at home. <laughs> uh, you have to understand, they're left-handed sticks. Um, I have them. Like I already, like I have to. I don't know. You can't tape a stick unless you have. John,
1: it. do you do you buy them or do you have them shipped to your house or how does that work?
0: Well, I, no, I have them shipped to my house for sure. You know, I I don't know. I'm a hockey. I, I play for Leafs. So like what what humor, room do you
1: what room do you keep them in? Is there a specific room? Specific reason? Uh.
0: I generally, uh, I keep them in the garage. I keep, I keep them in the garage, <laughs> but like, um, sometimes I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll tape them in the living room because there's a couch. You know, hopefully my wife's not home. <laughs> uh, you know, don't want, don't want her to see me with the sticks. Do you watch?
1: House. Do you watch any TV, John? While like if, when you're sitting on the couch and you're and you taping your stick, do you, mm. you you have like a show that you like to watch, like a pre-game, pre-practice ritual show?
0: Yeah, there's. Um, I really like watching Planet Earth. You, you know that part where they show um, the mushroom growing, but they speed it up. <laughs> yeah, I, li- I like to slow it down. I like to watch it in real time.
2: Uh, John uh, Jesse here from uh, Leafs Dinner on TSN 1050. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, how do you get the sticks from your house to the arena?
0: I uh, usually in my car. I, I put them in. I like to put them in. Uh, you know, in the back, like you know, kind of diagonal. You know, I don't want him to like obscure it. Like you got you, you know,
1: you. John, to what you what colors your back. what colors your car, John? Beige. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we found something we need to do again. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So Anyway, John Tavares, very exciting. And what I loved is, um, you know, Old Faithful, the Danny Heatley burner account, the uh, at Dan Heater 15, 50 and 07, tweeted when, he, when the TSN headline came up. <laughs> um, it said, you know, John Tavares likes to, t- you know, tape his stick at home uh he just wrote okay thanks (laughs) 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 oh oh my god Uh, it was great but you know what like i i don't mind watching the three and a half minute video with a little bit of pre-roll i please let me just hear these guys talk or do something this is great i don't care i and and you're and and i think steve you were right it's hockey it's anything uh or sorry jesse said that um it it felt good it felt like they were back a little you know back a little but no no coaches are allowed to be there right i think is there a it's a limit on i don't for some reason they said no coaches and like i didn't explain everything. that yeah. what's that it's like a limit on everything
0: i don't yeah. i don't even know if the well, players were able to like be that close to each other i think it <laughs> depended on the rank you were in i think right like, like what like
2: can you pass to guys like can you touch the same puck what's the rule
1: if you're 10 people under though which is the rule now or will be on friday Think you should be fine, right? I don't maybe know, it's an NHLPA thing, like it could be a union thing. They're not getting paid to be there. It's an unofficial practice. Why would there be a coach? Maybe there's something with that.
0: A lot of there's a lot of confusion right now. And like in Ontario, for example, a couple of days ago they had some sort of announcement. And after the announcement, which is supposed to be a conveying of information, people are tweeting at all these reporters who are tweeting out the information going, Yes. Can you explain what that means?
1: <laughs> yeah. Can you explain what any of this means? Right. Well, and they all, so in Ontario too, they, they've opened things by region, which makes sense. Um, so all the major regions with any sort of major population, which is the Southern part of Ontario. And I think like a third of the country lives in Southern Ontario. Um, uh, none of
2: them can open for stage two yet. Well, Everybody like, else can because North but, Bay isn't the same as Burlington. It's not, no, and that's so the right. They're thing. Different places.
1: It's the right thing. So basically, from Niagara all the way over to Durham region, basically, you can't do any. You can't go, get a tattoo, go to a salon, get your hair cut, any of that stuff. However, there's nothing preventing you from going to any of these other areas, like an hour outside of town, and getting them for yourself um it's just that everyone yeah you you can do that it's just that everyone's too lazy to do that so it's not gonna happen i I bet they're counting on lazy people which i am most of
0: ontario is open hey except for the gta oh in (laughs) windsor for some reason what do we do
2: (laughs) (laughs) there are people there there are are there are lots of people open is there are no people so
0: the thing about these cities (laughs) there's people yeah
1: it's what ruins them that's yeah, true. It's true. Yeah. So anyway, we're, uh, we're, we're, you know, I, I don't know what the rules are for the, for the hockey rink, but it's nice to see. It's nice to have. Um, there isn't a lot of like crazy new hockey news either. Like there isn't been, there hasn't been much. I know that they still have to, like, we still need confirmation. Remember we were going to get a, it is now June the 10th. And we were going to have a draft on June 5th. Like we still haven't had confirmation. No, twenty fifth. Oh no, the draft was going to be June 5th. They were going to do the draft at the beginning of june we and then yeah, and but, that
2: yeah. got canceled and then right. they're doing the draft lottery now so now they're doing the lottery yes they're doing On the 25th. lottery and then the, yeah and then they're setting the uh the rules for that and then they might have the second lottery if you remember that will uh, involve the teams that were eliminated And then right the draft will be at a later date it's cool man yeah excited um a so, whole bunch of awesome you know. <laughs> There's, There's a I was, lot going on.
0: I was trying to think of the biggest like player-related hockey news, and yeah. I think it's uh, Lawrence P- 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 mm-hmm. Pilut um, of the Sabers signing a two-year contract in Russia with Tractor Chelabinsk. So, yeah. are you guys ready for the next half hour as we discuss that?
2: <sighs> One are thing you- I do hear all the talk radio sports programs in the city doing is the uh trophy winner debates so i've heard a couple of stations do mm-hmm. the like hey yes. who do you think's gonna get the best now think's think gonna get a heart but you can only do that once and then what are you gonna do for the next two months
0: also it's hard because th- those conversations any given year you're kind of pulling your opinion a little bit out of your ass because mm-hmm. it's not like you saw every game that player played the player you're discussing played Now it's, you haven't seen that player play very much. And also the last time you saw them play was at least three months ago. Like Hmm. I saw, remember the whole controversy and how embarrassed some people were. They didn't know if Ovechkin was left or right wing. There were just people on mass out in the open going, folks, what position did Leon Dreisaddle play? I don't know. (laughs) That guy led the NHL in scoring by like 20 points. And people didn't know what position he played it's i don't know i don't know i i i don't have the most patience for those conversations at the best of times now i'm just like dude well,
1: they're, i, I they're haven't sort of seen boring. them play in like 3 it, months all right like i think the most exciting heart trophy debate i've ever been a part of was whether it should have gone to Taylor Hall or Connor McDavid. And I maintained it should have been Connor McDavid, even though his team didn't make the playoffs. He was still the most valuable player to his team because they didn't—they would have won zero total games without him that year. And
0: Adam um, was right. And,
2: I, was and I think history proved that Taylor Hall probably uh, didn't deserve the heart that year. It's crazy. You know, he
0: deserved yeah. a nomination. Crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> sure. Of, of course. He had a great year. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think, you know, uh, talking about highlights of the last week, Uh, is the Diversity Alliance. Trevor Daly, Matt Dummer, Wayne Simmons, Akeem Aliu, Evander Kane, uh, Chris Stewart, Joel Ward. um, And they're they're rounding out the committee. Um, Now the idea from what we understand is is to start small um, and then eventually work with the NHL, although this body is a body outside of the NHL currently. Um, I think the NHL is taking its time, and rightfully so, to make sure it puts forward a plan that is the right course of action. And they have uh, someone at the helm there that is, is qualified to do that. So that's great. Uh, one thing that I know uh, Black Girl Hockey Club was sort of upset about, and I, I understand this is, is uh, or I can understand why, is that there was no women included in, in that initial group. Now they've okay. said, uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance has said, well, wait a second, we'll, we will include women. We, we just started this. and um, So, you know, look forward to that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see now these guys, um, in, in, in what they're going to be able to do, because there's a visibility with, um, with alliances like this and groups like this, um, that the NHL has just never had before. And it will be very, um, I think it will be great for the game it will be great for the growth of the game. We've talked about, uh, you know, Sean Fitzgerald. We had him on last year. One of the best episodes we had was him, and uh, he wrote a book called "Before the Lights Go Out," and I think you should read it. But it's about how hockey is declining in this country, on in a huge way, on mass, yeah. And it, you know, they these guys are not forming. I, I mean, th- I think part of the 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 thing, the goal here is to grow hockey within minority groups. But I think the first and foremost thing is. Um, having people treat them with respect at the rink. Um, and, and that comes all the way through up, you know, up through the programs. And a side effect of that is more families from non-white backgrounds are going to feel more comfortable at the rink. Um, and, you know, it's, it, the, the crazy part as a juxtaposition to this, that's a, bu- a bubbling story right now, is the GTHL. So if you don't know what the GTHL is, it's a massively, uh, massively important Toronto Hockey League, Greater Toronto League. You played in the GTHL, which I played in a precursor to it. My league has now been absorbed by the GTHL. Essentially, it's single A, double A, triple A. And then, you know, once you're like 14, 15, if you're good enough, you're going to junior. Was Um, it the SHL, Adam? SHA was I. I SHA, right. Which was the Scarborough version of it, which is now part of the GTHL. So the the problem here uh, with the GTHL is 10 years ago, they talked about racial slurs in the game. And they actually released some some information on players who were penalized. Uh Rick Westhead who weirdly has Steve blocked. We still don't know why. I saw people uh, tweeting
0: about it and I'm <laughs> like, "Can't wait for
1: Adam to tell me what the story is." I oh, don't know. I don't know why he's I got had you blocked for like 10 years, but he has. I don't so know. So Rick Rick Westhead's been pr- um talking about this and it's it's a fascinating story and I just want to bring up his account. I want to make sure that I get this right because this, um, this story is, is kind of developing, um, and so let me, let me just read this. It's from 19 hours ago. Update. The GTHL refuses to disclose details on the number of penalties called in games for racial slurs, but this hasn't always been the case. The Toronto Star reported in December 2009 that racial slurs were on the rise in the largest ho- minor hockey league. Uh, in the world. So the GTHL is the largest minor hockey league in the world. The GTHL hired a consulting firm to poll officials after every game between 05 and 08. In 06, 07, there were nine penalty calls for discriminatory discriminatory slurs. In the next season, there was 47. The next season, there was 98.
2: Hey, one
1: is too many. One is too many. One is too many. And this is where it gets worse. The GTHL, 11 years ago, issued a directive to officials and teams to be on notice about racial slurs. The executive director Scott Oakman told the Star, "Socially, this is unacceptable. With the nature of our demographics, we have an obligation to direct to uh, to address it." I mean, not even forget though. With the nature of our demographics, we just have an obligation to address it. Should have been the quote. The GTHL uh, at the time suspended players three games for racial slurs. Former NHL goalie Kevin Weeks said that wasn't good enough. Uh, he called for 10 to 15 game suspensions. Oakman said the GTHL did issue longer suspensions sometimes but didn't want to boost mandatory minimums. Oakman to the Toronto Star at the time. There are degrees of discriminatory language. When you increase the minimum, uh, the lowest common denominator moves up. And that is the end of the thread for now.
2: Hey, how about this? If you say something that's racist on, uh, on an ice rink, you don't get to play hockey, because no- you shouldn't be a part of the game if you're acting that way. How about that one? Instead of suspending somebody for, what is it, three games? Mm -hmm. that's absurd
0: you think of how exhausted kevin weeks is like he says he's not
1: going to talk about the gthl until they they figure this out and by the way they are steadfastly refusing to release any numbers on this right now
2: yeah because it'd probably be embarrassing probably be a national story
0: see i was just thinking like is it possible because i mean the whole league is minors right so is it possible they're protecting minors but we're not asking for names we're asking for just statistics.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Well, and I think more than more than this, uh, because they are minors, they do need to take some, some responsibility here. Um, but when they are minors, they're in the care of their parents. Yeah. And whether or not that is taught at home, because sometimes uh, people pick that stuff up because they think it's cool or whatever. Um, I think you've got to take a good hard look at what's going on at home if something like this comes up. So – And I wouldn't, I'm not suggesting you name the parents, but I am suggesting that if your kid in a game uh, uh, utters a racial slur, that uh, there's some pretty serious consequences that need to come to the parents and the kid. You know, the kid has to have their toy taken away, which is playing hockey. Uh, There's gotta be something that, you know, responsibility-wise is on the parents. And I think if you wanna play in that league, you should have to sign a waiver taking responsibility for your child's actions on the ice. If they are a minor, they are in your care. You should have to be responsible for what they do. Um, and you know, I know that opens up a can of worms for injuries and sort of things, things like that. But I mean, at what point, are, like, are we going to try to stop this or are we just going to kind of dance around it? And, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but, whether or not you as a parent teach that in your home, it's still your responsibility to end that type of behavior. And, you know, the league only has the opportunity to end that type of behavior in the league. And Jesse's right. You kick people out. Usually the behavior probably goes away.
0: an attention grabber for sure.
1: Yeah. But I do think, I do think there has got to be some sort of recourse here where it's like, okay, like I, I don't know how you put parents on notice for something like that. Um, but there has to be, we got to go a little bit deeper. I think than like suspensions are just, it's just punitive, right? You have to, we have to change the way people think, um, and the way people view this problem. And I don't know what the answer to that is. I'm just spitballing, but it, it just, it's, um, especially given on the, what's going on on the world stage right now, it behooves that league to get their shit together, admit their faults and then do something about it.
0: So can can you repeat the number for me? The number went up to it was ninety eight
2: penalties assessed issued for racial slurs. Yeah, wasn't it nine to start? Yeah, it
1: was. So I wonder how much. I wonder how much. Would they, so they had these the the consulting firm to poll officials after every game. So I wonder if if the if the officials let some of that stuff go because nine to forty seven yeah. to ninety eight over the course of three years sure seems like a jump of okay we're actually enforcing this now rather than. Yeah oh, all of a sudden people are racist again.
2: Uh It sounds like they weren't counting it when it was nine.
1: Or they were yeah, ignoring it, you know. Because 98, like, how many games do they
0: play? That's like, that's like one in God knows how many games. Like, it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's it's not even just that it's an issue and maybe they're not penalizing it hard enough. This sounds rampant.
1: Well, in, in 98... You know, when you consider how many GTHL games there are, is um, I mean, it's it's a huge number, but there are a huge number of GTHL games too. So
2: my worry is that that ninety eight isn't even accurate.
1: It's even bigger.
2: Yeah. Right. I because a lot of that stuff goes unheard by officials or just unpenalized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, when you initially said those numbers, one is too many. Like that's, that's too many for a bunch of kids, literally kids on an ice trying to play a sport and have fun. Nobody should be um, subjected to that. That's harassment. It's racist. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm explaining to do.
2: Yeah. So when we talk about hockey
1: diversity Alliance and, and black girl hockey club and, you know, these groups that are trying to do and are doing great work, um, you know, this is the sort of stuff that they're fighting. And when you hold this information back, when you hold this back, you hold back progress. You know, um, I think people are afraid of frankly losing their jobs and maybe they should be. Uh, but beyond that, we have got to move forward. And if we don't have some degree of um, accountability from the organizations that are, are allowing our children to play in these sports, um, I, I, don't, I don't see how you can put your kids in them. You know, I, I, if you're not going to be accountable to the public when you have their children in your care, I don't think you deserve to, to have their, your children in their care. Or, sorry, they don't, they don't deserve to take your money. They don't deserve to have that sort of responsibility and to make money. I well, you mean, gotta, I, when, you got to take the GT. sorry. No, no, you please. Go ahead. Well, you got to take the GTHL off its pedestal
0: because well, – yeah. It's, it's still parents, they want to say my kid plays in the GGHL if you come from a certain
1: area. so Part of, part of the problem too, Steve, is that uh, we have a unified body of hockey in this country <laughs> that was meant to do good. But I find that whenever you have one body controlling everything, um, it can lead to issues. And uh, you know, there's been, there are lots of issues with Hockey Canada um and right on down like the gthl is the only league so it's it's hard to um it'd be like if you only had one car manufacturer right you had only one car manufacturer they can sell you the car whatever the fucking price they want and it can be as shitty as they want it to be and they never have to make it better um you know this league and hockey canada as a body despite the good that they do and let's not take that away from them are not moving with where the world is moving and frankly don't have to be as accountable and no one and and and, and there's no competitive like it's, like it's 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 sort of the same issue that we've had with video games right if you have um, and I know this seems like a ridiculous comparison but hear me out when EA buys a license for a sporting game they just release the game and it's like too bad suck it up but there are certain sports where you can buy multiple games. You buy the best game. And so parents don't really have a choice. Your kid plays in the GTHL or they play house league. Or they don't. Even the, even the house leagues are, are at a lot of times controlled by the GTHL or Hockey Canada or both. And so th- that is an issue in and of itself. And I hope that, you know, I, I, sometimes I feel like when these bodies get a little too um, powerful, um, they become a bit clubby and they look Leaky. out for each other cliquey yeah. and they and they they look out for each other and they don't look out for what's actually best for the sport and if you are a director of the GTHL right now and you think that the right thing is to not release this information then you do not deserve to be there well and you're just leaving everyone with the
0: assumption that it's really really bad well here's what's worse yeah. what if they don't know
1: i mean at least release what you do know but that's Isn't that worse? Even So I would – what's worse to me is that, you know, if they knew and it's high, that's one thing, which is bad. But if they don't know and they release that they don't know, first off, my mind goes to, well, don't you care about that? You did studies on it. And number two is, what else don't you know Mm -hmm. about your league?
0: This is part of the reason why – when this conversation began, you were, you were talking about, you know, the new Alliance and also mentioned black girl hockey. And you mentioned that they were independent of the NHL. My first thought was good. Like yeah. if you want something done right, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: That's clearly what's going on.
0: Yeah. And it's not even necessarily to rip on the NHL. It's just uh, there's so much red tape and uh, foot dragging, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, big leagues and big bodies and stuff like that. And sometimes uh, you just got to take the initiative of yourself, go around them, and then they'll approach you, uh, which is what I'm hoping happens here. But the GTHL, they got to fix their shit.
2: Yeah, I hope one day they listen to people like Akeem a who was a teenager and has to go to hockey. You know, he's all excited on a Thursday after school just to – go play a game and then he goes to the game and he has to hear racial slurs and then he goes home and he's just crushed. You know, I hope they listen to people who've experienced that and they realize that, Hey, we have to change this. Right. Right. And Akeem
1: you played in the GTHL. Yep. So, so did Wayne Simmons. So anyway, that's uh. Some pro- some progress and some some people dragging their feet, but I think eventually, if guys like Rick Rick West had stay on this story, even though Steve won't find out about it till later, <laughs> um, <laughs> <Shut> hopefully, <up.
2: laughs>
1: hopefully, uh, we get some progress on this because I think it's it is the thing that needs to happen. And uh, uh, whether they know or they don't know, neither answer is good. So time to figure it out. Fair,
2: yeah, fair.
1: So, with that, um, we've got obviously, we've got, I think we've got an extended press conference coming up here. Mm -hmm. Jesse also mentioned that he would like to play some audio. Yes. Which we haven't had in a while. Steven, you ready for some audio? Uh,
0: I am, but uh, we're skipping over uh, what I thought was one of the biggest stories this week. Oh, what are we we going to talk about? No,
1: please.
2: What did I forget?
0: Our old pal, Eugene.
2: Oh, okay. What Is else more about Eugene Melnick Sen's Foundation stuff?
0: Oh, because remember we were like, this sounds funny. Well, more details came out, and it sounds a little bit more than funny, fellas. Okay, what do we got? <laughs> uh,
2: just, so, I, it's always fun when Steve leads a story. I, I don't love it. Know where it's going.
0: <laughs> so uh, there was a. It started with an article um, printed in the Ottawa Sun by Rick Gibbons. And then Dave Festchuck uh, did a follow-up and I have not read it yet, but it's, I encourage you to read the whole thing. I'm going to read you a couple snippets. What would you think if a charity raised nearly a million dollars, but spent less than half a cent of every dollar raised in on the causes it was supposed to support? Hold that thought. Now, what would you think if the sole director of that same private Toronto-based charitable foundation now wants greater control over another charity, this one in Ottawa, the Ottawa Senators Foundation? You good with that? Again, hold that thought. First, some background, and then they go into the background. And they get into the nitty-gritty. There were accusations of uh, the Sens charge the Sens Foundation um, a lot of money in rent. Yep. We talked about that. They were reporting was not typical. Um, so basically Eugene Melnick wanted to divert some of the Sens foundation funds into, uh, organ donation charities, which makes perfect sense. Eugene Melnick's life was saved by an organ donation, uh, about five years ago
1: from a sense fan
0: from a sense fan. Uh, The real issue isn't here. This is another excerpt from the article. The real issue isn't costs. It's about control of the foundation's operations, including where it dispenses the cash. The foundation didn't uh, entirely ignore Melnick's appeal to flow at least some cash into organ donation awareness in 2018 against it's better judgment. Perhaps it budgeted $100,000 plus an additional $15,000 in sponsorships to The Organ Project, TOP, a Toronto-based private charitable foundation set up by Melnick in 2016 to to manage his pet project, creating greater awareness about organ donations and waiting lists. Ultimately, the $100,000 was never sent. According to Canada Revenue Agency filings, the Organ Donation Project Generated $991,708 in revenues in 2018, primarily thanks to a big charity gala it staged in Toronto. No doubt that $100,000 Senators Foundation check helped. So, what happened to all that money? Again, according to CRA filings, the Organ Project invested barely $5,000 of the nearly $1 million it raised on organ donor awareness. For those without a calculator, that's 0.49% or less than half a cent for every dollar raised. And yet the Sens Foundation is being attacked for investing about 50 cents on every dollar it raises on programs. The hypocrisy is stunning. So where did all the Organ Project money go? if not to worthy causes. According to the CRA, a whopping $779,464 went to cover fundraising costs. Another $238,118 went to management and administration. I'm told these are the kind of results most certain to draw the attention of the taxman. So, oh, and I might as well read this one final par- paragraph and then we'll talk. The Oregon project is registered as a private foundation and as such does not require an arm's length community board of directors overseeing operations as does the Ottawa Senators Foundation. Instead, it appears to have only one director,
1: Eugene Melnick. So basically he, the, the allegation is the money was spent in, like I said, I said to you on Sunday, Oh, you buy a computer for somebody that's working. We got to, Oh, we got to renovate the offices. We got to, oh man, it, we had to rent these trucks in this venue and it, the tablecloths are so expensive. What do they call it, fundraising costs? Yes. <sighs> you better break those fundraising costs down, baby, because CRA is going to be right down your neck about that one. You better know to the knife how much it costs. So let me reread the one paragraph that got everyone real hot and bothered. So,
0: what happened to all that money? Again, according to CRA filings, the Organ Project, which is the charity uh, Eugene Melnick uh, started in 2016, the Organ Project invested barely $5,000 of the nearly $1 million it raised in organ donor awareness. For those without a calculator, that's 0.49% or less than half a cent of every dollar raised. So, fellas, we've been talking about a lot of bad news. I got some good news. Some good news actually came out of this. And I imagine more good news is going to come out of it. Um, But this one in particular is wonderful. Graham Nichols. Some of you might follow him on Twitter as Sixth Sends, which is a very Mm. clever Twitter name. They said, sorry, they said, uh, they sent out a tweet being disgusted that the Oregon Project only raised supposedly $5,000 or contributed $5000 towards
2: yeah.
0: organ research.
2: They raised a million you said and mm-hmm. they 5, raised a thousand million of it, only like contributed 5000.
0: Contributed 5000. So he sent a tweet on June 8th, so 2 days ago. Rather than start a consolidated GoFundMe which would pull some funds from the pooled money, which is a problem we've run into, people can donate directly to the Trillium Gift of Life Network here. So he was basically like, come on sense fans Screw all this. We can raise the money ourselves. We could probably raise more than $5,000 in an afternoon. <laughs> he was right. Oh. And he tweeted this four hours ago. An update for you all. Over the last 48 hours, Trillium Gift has received a total of $20,604.50 from this campaign spurred by Rick Gibbons' article on Monday. A huge thank you to everyone in Sens and Hockey Twitter for supporting this cause. In support of organ donation. I'm floored.
2: Wow. That's cool. Way to go. Sens fans, fans.
0: hockey fans, and Graham Nichols in particular, uh, you contributed four times the amount of money towards uh, organ research than uh, whatever the hell that weird pet project uh, allegedly is. I, lo- I love when hockey Twitter comes together. It's and great, isn't it? The only little tidbit I read from the Festchuck thing, I, I, I'm i dying to read it. I'm going to read it as soon as I'm done,
1: is... I don't know what the Festchuck thing
2: is.
0: Th- so, so, sorry, he wrote a follow-up to the previous article. Okay. And basically, uh, you know, we've talked about Sens fans and they're not showing up to games and blah, blah, blah. Although, they'll show up to games. And they have money and they're interested. They just don't want to spend it on Eugene's Melnick's team. Or Eugene yeah. Melnick's team. And yeah. they c- came together in a forty-eight hour period from a tweet and raised twenty thousand dollars. Hashtag Melnick out. Yeah, really. I'm
1: done. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not hard. It's a pretty yeah. easy one. Do you guys mind if we pause for just a second? I gotta bring my dogs in. I can hear them barking at strangers outside. Give me one sure. second. Yeah. Oh, no <laughs> Okay, last thing before the press conference, Jesse, you've got some audio to play.
2: I do have some audio to play. So this will be a lot more fun than uh, talking about how little the Sens give to charity. Um, It's around two minutes of audio. It's two clips that I've spliced together. Okay. What I'm going to ask from you guys is the first time we listen to it all the way through. Okay. You're going to hear ourselves, the three of us talk, and then you're going to (laughs) hear another clip. Come on. Okay.
0: This feels oh. like an important question to ask for me. Yeah. Am I allowed to say anything? No, no we the, just the said you can't time, say anything. The okay. first
2: time you listen, just listen all the way through. Listen to both clips. Listen to the first one. I have a feeling. Really second one. And then I'll play it back and then we'll and then we'll unpack it. And then if you want to do a start and pause and you want to go back to it, we can definitely do that. Okay. All right. Are you guys ready? Born ready. Ready.
1: Steve, who is Will not buy himself new clothes. <laughs> Bought a kayak. Oh, oh, on an especially impulse. in 2012. Especially in 2012. Oh, that's true. Okay. That's true. On an impulse. On an yeah. impulse. And then you'd call your friend Andy to come pick you up because it couldn't fit on your car. Oh, yeah, okay. so well, Steve- I didn't have a roof rack. <laughs> so Steve Vai Impulse buys a kayak and can't leave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the kayak trapped you in a parking lot. And I was just like,
1: oh yeah. <laughs> You're it at your friend Matt's cottage. Yes. And how many times in the last five years, six years since you bought it, have you used it?
0: I used it a lot when I first oh, yeah. got it because we kept it at a friend's house who was on the water. Mm-hmm. So that was great. They said, you know, just come over, use it whenever you want. So I did. Now I get to use it like once a year when I go up to <laughs> so, so you bought it. your friend a kayak.
2: I still yeah. have it. No, you don't have no, it. I own it. it. You've never, Steve, Steve, you've never <laughs> had a kayak. All I got to do is get a roof rack. Steve, you've never had a kayak. You bought your friend it. a kayak and put it at his place. How
1: could <laughs> I? <laughs> I moved to Leslieville, down near Woodbine Beach, yep. and I uh, got a little apartment there. And I was thinking, it was so much fun walking the beach with my daughter, Everly, because she absolutely yeah. loves being down by the beach. And I went and I dipped her in the you water. Didn't. Guys. About a paddle board. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at these people outside, and it's a beautiful Monday. And I was like, well, they seem to be having fun on their paddle yes. boards. And I could bring my daughter yes. out and like get her used to the water and sit her on the board when she's there. I wouldn't bring her out deep, but I have a life jacket for her. I have a bathing suit for her. Baby jacket. So we could paddle together. <laughs> oh, man. And it, and it was on sale. Let me yeah. just say it was on sale, severely reduced. <laughs>
2: <laughs> bought a paddle board. i live near water i can do that <laughs> Is the i live ten, minute, same 10 minutes 10 minutes that way steve bought a kayak and i just gotta say i'm embarrassed to know both of you
1: <laughs>
2: you guys watch
1: i'm gonna watch i'm gonna i'm gonna actually do my kayak <laughs> paddleboard thing
2: <laughs> so yeah, you um, watch. I, I have
1: to say so that second asked. clip
2: of adam talking about buying a paddleboard was from today on virgin radio when he had wanted to talk about how he bought a paddleboard and he'll never use it because i don't think he's ever gonna use it
0: so um uh your new nickname uh, hypocri- hypocritical garbage um I, 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 have, I have a question for you so originally i was i was upset i was hurt mm-hmm. uh-huh. bamboozled led astray if you <laughs> will adam That you would do the exact same thing that you ripped me apart for. Yep. (laughs) But immediately I thought, how can I benefit from this? (laughs) Okay. And it sounds an awful lot like with that clip, like it's amazing. Like you guys make fun of me for the big headphones, but like you can, you really hear the sound under the sound. Mm. And what I could have swore I heard is Steve, you can keep your boat at my house. (laughs) that's what i thought i can you roll that i i thought i thought i might have heard (laughs) my friend as your friend (laughs) garbage i would like to (laughs) store your boat at my
1: hypocritical garbage house in my defense Uh in my defense how am i hypocritical garbage i've only owned it for a couple of days so for me I, and I have not, I'm storing it in my own driveway right now. Yeah. And I did buy a kayak rack, so you can bring your kayak down. Did because you have I'm one at to, the time? I did not. I ordered no. it off Wayfair. It's going to be here sometime mm. next year. Congrats Wayfair, on your new paddleboard there, Matt. <laughs> Congrats <laughs> on your new paddleboard, Matt.
0: Congrats. Guys, Congrats, guys
1: Steve, you can leave your kayak here. The HMCS Fuck Adam, uh, which yes. I believe is its name. Yes. Um, I am uh, uh, going to go paddleboarding tonight if I can. i got to get the fin on it. Uh, but once I get the fin on it, I'm going to show you two puckers. Okay. I hope you get before bit the, before by the lightning flies. hits, though, because I don't want to get electrocuted. Oh, but- yeah.
0: Like, you should very not go
1: tonight. But no, I hope you get bit by horseflies.
0: <laughs> I'm just <laughs> so saying maybe- that's the worst. I've paddleboarded before, and you're like, ah, eck, ah,
1: and you're Jesse struggling thinks- to keep balance as it is. Mm-hmm. Jesse thinks I'm only going to use this like two times.
2: I think you're going to try and use it as much as possible this summer. Mm-hmm. And I think going forward, your life will not be filled with a bunch of paddleboarding. Like you imagined it would be when you impulse bought it on Sunday. <laughs> Jesse, he's
0: going to use the hell out of it this summer. He's going to use the hell out of it. Yeah, And then May's going to come. And he's going to think about taking it out. Like next year? Oh, you know, yeah. And he's going to think about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, you bet he'll think about it.
2: <laughs>
0: and then all of a sudden it'll be June. Yep. And he'll think about it. Yep. And he'll remember... Having thought of it previously. (laughs) In July, a little bit more of the same. Mm -hmm. And then it's the end of August. And he goes, ah, why bother? And then when Matt goes to close up his cottage, he's earned himself a new (laughs) paddleboard. Steve. (laughs) Miss Jesse.
2: As someone who has experience in impulse buying watercrafts, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. your kayak, uh, how many times have guess? you used your kayak in the last uh couple
0: of years well jesse i think a better question would be how many times have i thought about using it
1: mm, <laughs> true it's a good point.
0: monthly at least yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many i gotta say I in the middle of a West. global pandemic excuse my, me my prospects of using my kayak right now are
2: limited adam we all live in the gta there we is, all live near water. but i live
1: near Yes. So oh, and man. I live near a beach yeah. now. Well, That's a beach a- like four weeks of the year because it's Canada. Yep. So- I know to
0: paddleboard. So, like, do you put it on your roof or like do you just walk across the street? Like, sup everyone, I'm going for a paddleboard. I could watch
1: I could. <laughs> I bring could my Dar out of my paddleboard truck because I have a truck that can transport it. And I'll just bungee cord it down. It'd be easy. I just don't have a roof rack for my truck, which I should have gotten.
0: Mm. gotten. Killing the up. earth and then going to enjoy the fruits of it.
1: <laughs> it's Two minutes down the road. Come the on. HMCS
0: hypocritical garbage. <laughs> 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 I,
1: I didn't say I would never invest in a watercraft at that time. I just said that you- All you
2: did was make fun of Steve relentlessly for doing for it. Not
1: for ignoring his for eight years. Yes.
2: Oh, no. oh, yeah. We'll <laughs> see eight years from now. We'll play this clip again. We'll see when I buy a Sea-Doo. You guys can mm-hmm. play this clip for me, but okay, I'm right. smarter than that, so it's never going to happen.
0: Yeah, except your story goes completely different. Hey, I'm really successful, and I live on an island because I don't like people, and I get <laughs> to use it every day. <laughs> said Jesse Blake on his own podcast.
1: I feel like Jesse likes people.
0: Friendless and alone.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Just, Steve, call me when you, when you, Steve, use your kayak, and Adam, you use your paddleboard, and you guys are out there on the lake i'm gonna call I'm me gonna up for that Instastory. one time it's
1: gonna happen i'm gonna insta story it tonight and just to prove to you guys that i'm doing it i don't even know how to do it but i'm gonna do Hello. it anyway
2: we all think you're gonna do it a whole bunch in the next three months adam but eight years from now we're gonna be talking about how you paddleboarded for three months
0: <laughs>
2: i'm gonna i'm gonna get matt to bring you in my kayak and i'm gonna take you
0: out of the legs <laughs> i'm just i'm just gonna go next to you and rock my kayak like this <laughs> i'm not gonna knock you off i'm just gonna knock you off balance i'm gonna like use this. my i'm
1: gonna use my paddleboard as a as a diving board and i'm gonna jump on the front of your kayak and flip you off and sink wow. your battleship all right wow adam yeah and then what about your daughter, daughter in that movie and then where's your czar through all this <laughs> where's my wife what? what my daughter my daughter my daughter,
0: <laughs> yeah, your daughter. Your daughter. <laughs> you got her a life jacket
1: I did get a life jacket. Now you're <laughs> getting all the accoutrement to go with it. Well, I already had a life jacket for her. That's sort of kind of key when you want your daughter to be able to swim and they're young and they can't swim yet.
2: Yeah. So no, you do have a life jacket. Board in two, yeah.
1: And it's Adam. So you know he got some,
0: like, you didn't get the cheap paddleboard.
2: He got, he got the th- Tesla one. I did not. <laughs> I got a,
1: two I got a, <laughs>
0: Gucci life jackets.
1: Sale. <laughs> two, you
0: guys two. got Gucci life jackets. <laughs> <laughs> you know you do, Adam Wilde. Hypocritical garbage
1: sale and it was cheap cheap as chips because i didn't want to spend too much because i didn't want to use it for three months and then never use it again
2: <laughs> you said so. you don't want to do that
1: no i don't mm. so i want to make sure that i'm committed and then next year i'll oh, spend too much money maybe that works. Mm. i can save up all winter think about my paddleboard so it's so
2: awesome that you live in a climate that only allows you to use the thing you bought for three months. Well, listen, like, it must be a great investment <laughs> to have this machine got that out. only works kind of <laughs> times of the year. Guys, if I got a
1: wetsuit, I could use it all the way till December. Okay. And I have a wetsuit. So yeah. So there.
2: Yeah.
0: And also you get <laughs> yeah. to swim the sunny shores of Lake Ontario. Where, it's where clean water. Five minutes of exposure. You'll grow gills and a nose on your forehead. Who says I'm going
1: in the water? I'm just going to be on top of it so you'll never fall once never you don't fall on paddleboards.
0: no no not when you're
1: not when you're experienced sea <laughs> captain adam Wilde. have
0: you completed no. the turn
1: have i completed the turn i don't imagine it's that hard
0: during your hapanoa <laughs> have you ever paddle boarded before
1: no no but i've i've had my dad had uh um my dad windsurfed growing up and mm-hmm. uh so i spent lots of time on boards that were similar with with a ca- uh, canoe no i
2: hear windsurfing is hereditary <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's what they always say in the baby books. Like, oh, watch out, a jerk. your son or daughter is going to have great windsurfing skills. to this, you dick!
1: Have <laughs> you're such a jerk. Oh my god! I think it's going to be a really fun pastime, and I look forward to sending you guys pictures and making you jealous. And maybe you can come to the beach, and I'll show off to you sometime. Totally. So, yeah, yeah You can use it if you want. You want to go out and paddleboard? You guys are more than welcome. We can we can get all three of us up on it together. Can you? Is it that big? I don't think so. No. But it looks like it is. <laughs> I, I think, think you could sit three people on it pretty easily. I don't know about standing. That might be pretty tricky. Okay. Steve, what are you? What,
2: why have we lost you, Steve? Yeah, what are you looking at?
0: I was looking at kayaks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I miss it. You well, do you have
0: a car in which to bring it home or no? I'll think about getting something for my car to bring it home. <laughs> oh, I'll think about it. Will you I know. do it? We'll see.
1: We'll see. All right. All right. Well, there you go, guys. I own a paddleboard. And let's do the press conference. All right. right.
2: Adam's History Corner. Today is going to be a little special. Adam has a special rendition about a book he just read. That's right. So Adam Wilde read a book on mosquitoes. It's called, Hey, Mosquitoes Should All Own Paddleboards. Mm. And I'm Adam Wilde, and I love it. So uh, Adam, tell us about this book.
1: Okay, so it's called "The Mosquito." It's by Timothy C. Weingart, who's actually a Canadian working out of the University of Denver as uh, a doctor. And it is the human history of our deadliest predator. They estimate something like uh, 50 billion humans have died at the hands of mosquitoes over the course of our history. Wow. And what's fascinating about this is it goes through the entire timeline of our known history, like the written-down history, and talks about. The effects of mosquito borne disease on everything. So, every major conflict, every major pandemic, everything that went wrong, in part, most of the time, had to do with mosquitoes. And one of the things that I found particularly fascinating was the fact that the reason, like, especially given what's happening right now in the world, um, the, the, whole reason the Atlantic slave trade existed or what was what sometimes called the Colombian exchange. Um, the whole reason that it existed is that the mosquito uh, carried diseases like dengue, yellow fever, and malaria. So the whole reason that Europeans bought Africans, caught Africans, stole Africans and brought them to North America and the West Indies and South America as well, was that mosquitoes existed. Now you're probably thinking, how, what's the connection? So when they tried to colonize North America, especially in the southern states and in, in the Indies, uh, what they found was um, there, were, there were two types of, of people that were available to them, right? You had people who were native po- you know, part of the native population, and then you had servants, indentured servants from European powers. So the, what the Spanish especially did was they tried to enslave the native populations that they conquered to do things like mining and deforestation and farming things. You know, they were looking for gold. And, um, and what they found was because of things like the measles and smallpox and things like that, these populations were dying very quickly because they had no built up immunity like we do. So then they try bringing over poor Europeans, uh, indentured, servants so an indentured servant is very very interesting concept is that basically you are a person who's extremely poor let's say you live in one of the major cities you live in paris you live in london you live in barcelona whatever and you want to go over to the new world and try to have some land which is something that would just never be available to you in europe you would never be able to afford it you'd never find a job that would pay for it there's no social movement up the ladder so what you would do, agree to do is for passage on a ship, you would give away seven years of your labor to a particular person. Uh, and at the end of that seven years, you would be granted land by the crown, whichever crown that you were, you know, Spain, England, sometimes Portugal, the Netherlands a little bit. Um, and what they found was these indentured servants, these people who gave up their freedom to go work for free for seven years to pay for the ship ride over and then eventually get free land out of it, we're not surviving, and that's because dengue, yellow fever, some other, some other of these mosquito-borne diseases. So, and I believe it was the Spanish and the Portuguese first figured out that because of a specific genetic um, predisposition that certain Africans had, they were able to resist these diseases far better than a European could. So. Um, uh, sickle cell anemia. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but essentially, it's a disease of the blood that developed, and I'm just giving you the the overview here. That developed because of malaria, and because they wanted to, because the human body reacted over many, many, many generations to, um, you know, the body dying of malaria. So they, um, sickle cell anemia would prevent you from dying of malaria. But it did did kill you, and it killed you around the age of 24, 25. And there's actually a a Pittsburgh Steeler who has it, Ryan Clark. Uh, And again, it's a genetic thing. And anybody that has sickle cell anemia cannot play uh, in Denver without intense medical supervision because of the thin air. And it has to do, and again, the book gets into this, but it's absolutely fascinating. So what they did was they brought these Africans over, and they became the first slaves. And Africans could survive. These things and sickle cell anemia might kill you by 24 or 25, but that was long enough to um, that was long enough to reproduce, so the species could keep going. And what's fascinating further than that is the um, the reason that it continued was because they thought when the when the American Revolutionary War happened, the thought was it wasn't economically sustainable for slavery to continue. Uh, because of the crops they were making at the time. Uh, Things like coffee and that sort of thing. So they thought that over time, it would probably take care of itself. And that, you know, though a lot of them thought it was wrong, if they wanted a union, they would be able to, uh, they would have to look past it. And they also thought, well, a lot of the Northerners thought, well, you know what, Uh, it's not really economically viable to do this anyway. So England starts to go elsewhere for its tea, and it's coffee and other things like that, cheaper places. And the Southern United States says, we got to make a choice here. What, what are we going to farm that we can give to the world? Cotton. And this is when slavery becomes industrialized because cotton, there's two types of it. There's the long stock and the short stock, the long stock stuff. And this is really crazy. Only grows on like a couple islands outside of Georgia. And it's the better stuff to have. It's easy to pick. It's easy to go through and easy to to create, but it's impossible to grow. The short stock stuff, you can grow it, but it requires a ton of hard labor. And that's when you see the industrialization of slavery. And that is when, when you start to clear large tracts of land, what does that attract? Gigantic swarms of mosquitoes because there is standing water. So by clearing the land, by creating these plantations, they were making the mosquitoes like perfect habitats to exist within, especially in the southern united states um, and the only people that could really survive it, and there were seven or eight u s presidents that had it, including Washington, like malaria um, were these were these african slaves and so that is why partially a good chunk of why this even happened in the be- in the first place, and I think it's an important book to read, not only does it help explain some world events, uh, but I think it's it's an important book to read because it does get into the social factors that played in this as well you know you talk about um white superiority and 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 the reasons that our systems are the way they are it can be boil, it can be boiled down to many things part of the biological reason they happen was because of mosquitoes the social reason is humanity uh, but it is an absolutely fascinating read all the way through and you would not believe the effect that this one little creature which has no value to Earth outside of, uh, you know, it's no, it's no food source for anything. Uh, like, just no, it's nobody's main food source. There's no animal out there that hunts mosquitoes. Um, it, it, the mosquito really is one of the only creatures on Earth that only exists to perpetuate itself. It doesn't help anything. Uh, nothing is helped by it being there. There's a theory, we don't know this, there's a theory that if we didn't have any mosquitoes, not much would change except for the fact that a bunch of diseases would just disappear. Um, and would be much harder to transfer from body to body, but absolutely fascinating read. And if anybody is interested, it is the mosquito: um, a human history of our deadliest predator. Timothy Timothy C. Weingart. I think it's fascinating, and it does a far better job of explaining than what I just did. But I thought it was particularly relevant given what we have seen uh, happen in the last fourteen days. And I got to tell you, um, it's it's there are parts of this book that are really tough to read but it's absolutely worth it.
2: That's awesome. You should do book reviews. Holy you, shit.
1: You know you're really good at this, right? <laughs> wow. I, you guys weren't saying anything. I was should, like, oh, fuck. You should review every, every
2: book you read and do like a fucking 10-minute book review. That was wow, amazing. Jesus
1: Christ. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, isn't that insane, though, that like, that, that happened? Like, it's what? just – you just don't ever learn that. You would never know. What no. drew you to that book? It was on – okay, so my – my my who mom mentioned and, it last episode was it you? My, my mom and my stepdad uh watch i think it was cbs this morning which
2: is actually a pretty good little news magazine
1: on sunday mornings and it's for you know mostly older people watch it which is why they watch it
2: but they're they're relevant in the fact that they get who they want in terms of celebrities and news yeah. people and that sort of stuff like they'll have ariana grande on one week and the next week it'll be obama yeah you know? like they're a relevant show yeah oh
1: very relevant yeah yeah yeah. um and it's like the lighter lighter version of 60 minutes right the Mm -hmm. sunday morning digestible and then 60 minutes on sunday night which i also love just like let's get hardcore um (laughs) but they have things like these books and and it it's a uh my parents told me about it and i was like well i gotta read that and i had no idea the first page just wow and i mean i listened to the first page i didn't read it but from the first go, it was like it was just an amazing book that just sucks you right in. And the, it's well-read on the audio version as well. So if you're like Audible or you do Apple Books, audiobooks or whatever like I do, it, it is so worth it. It's such a fascinating, illuminating piece. Like you read books sometimes, you're like, I got a little out of that. This one just warps your whole world perspective and uh, uh, makes you aware of ther- certain things that you would never have otherwise been aware of. There was no other place on the world like, there's no other way that you would know that about a mosquito, right? Like, who does who's doing research on that? So, anyway, Jesus, Adam, I don't know how to follow that up, man. <laughs> I know it's heavy stuff, man, but it's worth it. You need we need to learn this stuff. We need to learn this stuff. Another one I was talking to Jesse about, and may I can do this next episode? But King Leopold's Ghost is another book you must, must, mm-hmm. must, must read, especially that one's very relevant right now. Right now. Yeah. Oh, who's my King God.
0: Leopold. Leopold, I saw that name recently. King Leopold
1: II of Belgium. Ah, uh, uh, That's why. Yeah. Uh, he is basically the, responsible for the Belgian Congo, uh, major rubber trade source, treated people horrendously. Um, I can tell you about it next episode, but it is another book that, like, I don't even know if I have the strength to read that one ever again. It was so painful. It's such a, it's such a brutal book, but it all happened. There's a lot of
0: statues coming down, and I think yeah. this is one of them.
1: Well, I'm surprised that he even had one. Like, even the, even the Belgian people didn't like him, um, like, <laughs> for these reasons. And it's funny because, you know, people talk about at that time, well, he's a man of his time. It was late Victorian era, and everybody was racist. Well, okay, maybe. No, not necessarily. And, in fact, this man was internationally condemned at the time. The only issue is that he was a king. What, what are they going to do? Tell him to give up the crown? He'll be like, fuck off. Um, and the worst part about it is that he sold the Congo to the Belgian government. It was his personal colony that he sold to the Belgian government before he died, just so they could take it off his hands. It's just, and, and then the cruelty continued. It's, it's just an unbelievable read. Again, things that we need to know that we never would have learned otherwise. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Vicious stuff. Awful, awful, awful. Anyway. I know right. it's, been, it's been a lot up and down this episode, but I think it's important that we, we you know, talk about these works. I, I just learned that
0: my book is in the Recommended for Father's Day section on Indigo's <laughs> website. <you> <laughs> so there you go. And, Daddy dangles. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, uh, that's, that's what it's called. I'm
2: gonna call Can we get to Daddy. a couple questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Jaden Ho wants to know, do you think it's a good idea for the NHL to keep this playoff format going forward? It'd be kind of interesting.
0: No.
1: Uh, I think you got to see how it goes, but I don't think they will. I mean, you're asking the NHL. Uh, oh. the league that never changes to change.
0: Sorry. I think I might've misunderstood the question. Like, are, are you talking about like reseeding after the fact? Cause obviously no. we're not going to have a play in tournament
2: every year. I, I don't
0: think that think, makes sense.
2: I think that would be interesting. What if you had the last two playoff spot played for a tournament between uh, 8 and 9 and 10 and 11. They do it or, in other leagues, sorry, sorry, I don't 7 hate and 8 and 9 and 10.
1: I, I think the NHL, they always talk about, the, the old guys talk about the good old days of the NHL in the 80s. And, you know, the reality was that 16 teams made the playoffs back oh. then, but there were only 21.
0: Almost every team.
1: Almost yeah. every team made it. So I don't see there being a bad reason why more teams should make it. I, in fact, think it's better for the game if you've got more teams in. Uh, if you add a fifth round, I think what you do is you make that fifth round one that, you know, the top seeded teams don't have to play. And then it's kind of fun because in the second round, those top seeded teams haven't played hockey for a week and a half. And they're going up against teams that have beat the crap out of each other. So you kind of have that, you know, and, and I, I believe in reseeding every round. I think you should do that.
0: The only issue with that I have is you're keeping now the best teams in the league off of the ice.
1: Right. Might, for a longer
0: but, period of time. But oftentimes you're not TV.
1: oftentimes well, that's not necessarily true. Because yeah. Pittsburgh's a small market. They're all, often the best team in the league. Right. You know, Chicago is an awful team right now. They're not good. And uh they're in the you know, having them is is a good thing. So I think Toronto was horrendous for fifteen years. Fifteen years. No exaggeration and whatsoever. And, but If we'd had them in, great for TV ratings. (laughs) So I think the more teams you have in, the better. And you can survive without one of the major teams because if you have four teams that are waiting for the rest of the teams to catch up with them, you're going to have some major markets in there,
2: right? Right. I'm in favor of a baseball or a NCAA tournament format where you have the last seed is played for in a single elimination game. I think that'd be a lot of fun. You make eight and nine in that little break between the regular season and the playoffs. You make eight and nine play a single elimination uh game seven game and you get the eighth seed for that spot. That'd be what, if, fun. what if you made seven sorry, uh seven play ten, yeah, and
1: eight and nine play each other?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's also an option. Yeah, that's what I was suggesting before. But either way, I think it I think you experiment it and this is the time, and you see if it works and Going forward. I'd love to see some of these leagues implement these little changes. Steve doesn't like it.
0: I'm more I'm more into the reseeding part or going back to one to eight. Mm. The the one the one little thing I've been thinking about recently, you know, the legitimacy of these playoffs or whatever. We've changed the playoff format a bunch of times. Yeah. You know what I mean? First round so, used to be five uh, games. Yeah. yeah, like it's not sacred. We didn't look at the first um one, two, three, one, two, three, two wild cards. We didn't look at that as an Ill- illegitimate cup. It's just the new way it is. And that was a decision. Mm-hmm. Like that was a decision they just sort of arbitrarily made. This is at very least, hey, guys, we have a pandemic and we weren't able to completely finish the season. What should we do? Like at, yeah. at, this to me is even better than that. So it's, it's a legitimate cup. Do I think they should keep the format going forward? Parts. Of Let's it. play it first. Yeah, Let's play it first. Like. Yeah, hey, great hey, experiment. Do you guys want yeah. offside reviews? Absolutely. <laughs> a- after one year, <laughs> no, take it back. No, take it back. Take it back. Exactly.
2: Uh, last question, Jesse. Uh, what effects? This is from Mike P. What effects slash effects will the possible lowering of the uh, twenty twenty one salary cap have on the uh, potential lockout?
1: They're not going to lower it. So we already know that they're not. Um, and there will not be a lockout because the players, believe it or not, are again at the disadvantage here. Uh, because if they don't play, then the, then the cap is guaranteed to go down. Uh, given what's happened this year, um, they're going to, they're going to extend this collective bargaining agreement. I think until, was it 2024? Um, 22. Is that what it is? I'm not sure. I think it goes three years. I think it's three more years after 2021. So I, I think that's what it was. It was 7 and then there know. was an option to renegotiate or go 3 more years or something. Anyway, uh what's going to happen here is is that they're going to find an agreement pretty quickly and I would imagine it stays mostly the status quo. The the real sticking point seems to be escrow and the Olympics. So maybe the NHL players get the Olympics and the owners get to keep escrow, which is, you know, and th- and that's I mean that's not fun for the players but I think um they can't lower the salary cap because it would put a bunch of teams in default about it. So that wouldn't make sense. But the reality is the NHL has lost billions and and will continue sort of lost millions and they will continue to do so like every major sports league until they can get butts and seats. So um, they're going to have to work together on this. And unfortunately, it's billionaires fighting millionaires, and the billionaires are (laughs) going to win. So that's on this one. um, You know that that its reality is the guys who signed the checks are going to say, "Well, we can't run a league unless this happens." So
0: I I don't think it benefits anyone not to play. Yeah. Yeah. um for that reason i should yep. say if it's a health reason sure go for it and as for the olympics oh we're not going to see the nhl in the olympics until 2026 you know my
1: prediction yeah, no they i agree it would be better for china though it'd be a real boon if they were in there for China.
0: there may not be one there may not be an olympics. well there may
1: not be one you're right that's a good point too yeah if we're not through this who knows
0: no if you can't if you're if you're still not able to go to like uh a game in person or a concert uh they're not having an olympics
1: yeah yep so we'll see in a Wasn't year and a supposed to
0: be one this summer or something there was
1: they are postponed until next summer i believe where was that japan tokyo yeah tokyo
0: Tokyo, and they canceled it mad late
1: <laughs> yeah because they were like oh no we're gonna continue now nah. yeah. but no, i you know I'm not it, it would be kind of sick to have two olympics within like six months of each other i'm pretty excited about that have them at the same time (laughs) summer and winter let's go
0: colossal olympic village everything's in text well okay we'll revisit the plan we (laughs) we made some progress before that
1: yeah
2: anyway should be good jesse is that all good Uh, Yeah, we can do more next episode. I still have plenty of uh,
1: questions. So we will do that. We'll do an extended version next episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday, and we will see
2: you next The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at Panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness. Connection complete.